correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey folks, welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm Steve, and I'm here tonight with my friend Steve once again. Hey Steve. Hello. Uh, One of those weeks. Well, yes, I think you and me both are having one of those weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a bit of a week, but, uh, you know, it, it, more amusing things to talk about, at least here yeah. than in real life. How about some good news for a change? <laughs> well, I don't know about good news. We can tell people well, about a good another good podcast. What podcast are we talking about? Genesis Archive. Ah. Another podcast here on the D20 Network. Yeah. Cool stuff comes out of the Genesis Archive. Yeah, we had the their GM Jonathan on quite a while back, I think, talking about some of his world building and stuff for a campaign setting they're still playing in, which is uh, one they call the Unseen World, which is kind of a urban fantasy thing with a lot of mythological influences and stuff. But folklore inspired urban fantasy uh, Las Vegas setting. Yes, which I mean, I think you know no. I believe that's actually where Jonathan's from. Yeah, if I'm remembering right, that was the conversation we had. So he's actually familiar with it, and I've always said, you know, like that, that to me was the brilliance of the original CSI is they set it in Las Vegas, where damn near anything can happen. Sorry, I'm, my hair's getting in my eyeballs. That's why I wear a hat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's Vegas, so anything is kind of fair game. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a really cool setting, and... uh I fall and I'll like, I think both me and you are a little bit behind on what, listening to podcasts, but definitely one to get a listen to. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it is very good. Very well done. Yeah, I'm I'm behind because they changed their headphone policy at work and <laughs> listening to uh, podcasts not on headphones in a manufacturing environment gets a little weird. Mm. I'm behind because I haven't just haven't been listening to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, been, well mostly music recently i need a little change up going back to some music too but uh all right so um what are we going to talk about tonight well you had brought up a topic you were at a local game store uh shout out uh retrograde collectibles mm-hmm. and having a conversation there about cyberpunk red being adversarial well sort of so you know as as game shop conversations tend to do it was kind of wandering about and uh was talking with actually one of the the people that works there and they were saying, you know, they had tried to run a little campaign of red and uh, he just observed that he felt like, like the system wants to be run a little more adversarial than is, what do you want to say? Commonly accepted nowadays. Yeah. I, I guess if um, we talked about adversarial games and GMing a little while ago, but I guess to the flip side, to the inverse of, because we sort of talked about how not to do it. Let's talk about how to do it properly. Yeah. Well, and and look, let's let's be clear. You know, both of us are, are fans of 2020 and Cyberpunk Red. And 2020 very much was an adversarial GM game. 
It, yes. it was written that way. You know, the, yes. the GM's book for 2020 is called Listen Up, You Primitive Screwheads. It, and it that is, is <laughs> yeah, it is very much meant to be you throwing obstacles at the players thwart them from completing the task that you give them. <laughs> right. But I don't think, I think when most people hear adversarial GM, they think the GM is trying to kill my character. Yeah, and that's not quite always the case. And even in Red's case, that's not always the case. Right. And I think, I think, and, and you know, trying to get inside Mike Pondsmith's head or whoever the exact individual was that wrote the GM's book, I think Mike was maybe an editor on it, but without, you know, pulling up the file and, and looking at it, I can't tell you for sure. I think with, well, the other thing is, I mean, Mike, you know, his kind of catchphrase is, I'm the guy who killed your cyberpunk character. So I think that, if nothing else, gives you a little insight on how the creator thought the game was supposed to run. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But my kind of first thought, you know, after, you know, a quick second or two was that, well, yes, maybe it does want to be run a little bit adversarial. But I think that's more in the context that the world, you know, Night City and and the setting for specifically, you know, Cyberpunk Red in 2020. But I think probably this is expandable to most dystopian settings is that the world is adversarial. So as the GM, you are the world. Therefore, yes, you are somewhat adversarial just in portraying it as intended. I mean, yeah, that's true for a lot of games. Morkborg and Cyborg come immediately to mind, specifically Morkborg, where the world is literally trying to kill you. Cyborg, not so much. Stuff like paranoia and neurosity, where you're dealing with sentient AI and and it trying to stop or kill or, you know, thwart well, the players. You've got that in specifically in Red after Bart Moss blew up the web. Right, right. Plus you have, you know, how many trap net runners all yeah. cutting him for one, but yeah, all the trap net runners, all of the, you know, the new stuff like black ice, like mm -hmm. that is directly the world going, Hey, uh, net runners get screwed, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, it, it... and that's a pretty, I mean, not to divulge, not to divert too much, but that's a pretty common in, in cyberpunk media. And then also, a lot of other media that's a pretty common trope for for the for the um drama of the world right mm -hmm. i think back to when i listened to neuromancer and like all of that world which you know neuromancer is to a lot of people the cyberpunk book mm -hmm. um that entire world was devoted to killing its characters or maiming them and severely injuring them in some way Mm -hmm. I think that's sort of built into the cyberpunk uh, aesthetic and story. Well, yeah, I think, you know, at the core of it, it's the hyper corporate machine that views anything that will get it ahead as fuel. Right. <laughs> to be right. consumed. I mean, you know, so and, and I guess, you know, part of me uh, in saying that goes, well, then why do I like playing that? But I do. I think it's. So it's a little mixture of the of the difficulty that is combat in that game, and then also 
the really interesting stories you can tell with that system, even though they're, you know, there doesn't always have to be combat, but in games where there is combat, having good adversarial combat is great. I think Genesis can be adversarial if you run it right or wrong or however you want to define that. But there are purely narrative games out there where there is no there is no combat happening, right? Mm-hmm. And and adversarial doesn't necessarily always mean that there's combat or not. That can mean you know it can be tension, it can be uh, story beats and such. But it's not exclusive to Red where you have this adversarial relationship with the GM. And that's not always a bad thing in games. We we sort of talked the last time we talked about it, that, you know, it's not great in all games and it's not great all the time, but it's kind of like dessert. You know, you you shouldn't eat dessert for every meal, but you can have dessert once in a while. Sometimes dessert for breakfast is. Yeah, uh, sure. Totally appropriate. Yeah. But <laughs> it's it's the, you know, everything in moderation. And and I think that's a big thing with with being adversarial with um, your players or in a world and, and making sure that you're not another thing that's important when you're running adversarial games is making sure that you understand the difference between in game and personal. Cause I've had, I played in a game yes. one time where some personal drama came into stuff and the GM got way more adversarial than the game needed to be. And it's like, you needed to separate from the game. And sometimes that's not possible. That's just yeah. that's just the truth. Well, and I think actually you, you kind of hit on a point somewhere in there that <laughs> there's a lot more to, shall we say, properly adversarial GMing than combat. Yes. And dare I say, I think properly, quote unquote, adversarial GMing doesn't rely on combat to do it. Uh, no, you don't. Ha- I don't combat think is you, a tool, but. Combat, combat is a tool, I think is the, is the right way to say that. You know. Yeah. Another world that is very adversarial is uh, Slay Industries. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. And, and, and some of it, I mean, it's it's not even hidden. I mean, you have a bullet tax for crying out loud. Right. Right. <laughs> um, But there are worlds that are inherently adversarial that aren't even, you know, we've talked a lot on, on sci-fi and cyberpunk and, and that type of thing. And then, you know, uh there are closer to reality worlds that are adversarial in like, let's say Delta green, right? Delta green is very much like you versus the world and not exposing the truth, you know, not exposing what terrible reality lies. Oh, I think. And and in my mind as a, what do they call you? Uh, You're not a keeper in that game. You're a handler. handler. That's it. Uh, as a handler in that game, you're imposing different riddles, different puzzles, different pieces for the players to to put together what what may lie. You know what what's going on here, and and some of the X Files journey around that is well, making the world adversarial to you finding out what's going on. Well, and I think specifically when you get into that with you know the Eldritch Horror element and everything, it's also that. I mean, some of this stuff, so to speak, isn't meant to be figured out no. by the world. Right. You know what I mean? Like You're, it, you're pushing it at edges of reality in a lot of cases with Delta Green and Call of Cthulhu. Right, right. You know, it, it may be stuff there is no logical explanation for. And now I wonder, too, 
are we in this case in, in in the games we're saying where this is kind of appropriate? Are these are are these games that are primarily designed to not have a happy ending? Uh, no, I don't think always. I think Dungeons and Dragons can be adversarial in in the same sort of idea, mm-hmm. and that's a game that's designed to have a happy ending at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to get, you know, ideally in Dungeons and Dragons, you get you meet you reach level cap you stop having to adventure and you settle down and live your life as a, you know, omnipotent God, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily mutually exclusive to games that, uh, have this downer ending or the implication of a downer ending. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, but like, I guess I think those types of stories shall we say are, are more common in, in call it the cyberpunk genre where it's maybe not, you know, not a total downer ending, but kind of a, Oh damn. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the realization that, um, I won the, uh, like I won the battle, but at what cost? Yeah. And, and that's a lot of, I mean, we, uh, I don't know. Did you finish minor spoilers for, uh, cyberpunk? Uh, Edge Runners. Did you happen to finish Edge Runners yet? No, I've actually gotten through like the first episode. Oh, okay. Uh, Edge Runners kind of ends where everybody's sitting around going, "Well, I won, but it uh, at what cost?" Uh, well, it. I mean, so like, like uh, four brothers. Yep. Yep. You know, as opposed to Gone in sixty seconds. Yeah, Gone in sixty seconds is such a. That's such a funny ending to that movie. It is. And I mean, it works. Oh, I but love that movie. I'm I sorry. I, I, I'm going to go off on a little tangent. I freaking love that movie. Uh, look, my favorite bit is is the where they're coming out the parking garage and the guy tries to carjack him. And he's like, you know, he just takes the gun off and kicks him, you know, knocks him on the ground, kicks him. Coming. You need a role model. <laughs> my favorite bit is when they're coming out the car- garage and it's um they're in the humvee oh with uh sphinx and um what's his name i can't even what do they call it mirror man i think so but they're they're in the parking garage with this humvee and the one guy is absolutely terrified of snakes and there's a giant like ball python in there and he's losing his mind and they're like running over cop cars and like smashing their way out of this garage. And I'm like, this is hilarious. I always yeah, remember that to that. Sphinx just picks it up and tosses it, tosses onto, the it cop car. onto the cop cars. They drive out. Oh, that's such a good movie. It is. That's where I got, I, I told you this, that's where I got my online handle. That's where Hey Freb came yes. from. Yeah. Cause somebody's name is Freb and like he's the best pizza getter. And it's like, okay. So that's what my dad started calling me. <laughs> but yeah, like, but like four brothers, on the other hand, you have, I mean, like you said, what cost? Yeah. Yeah. That movie is a downer, downer ending. Yeah. I don't know. Adversarial, adversarial GMing. That's what we were talking about. Yes. <laughs> my brain just blanked. It, yeah. But it, go ahead. I think it's, it's not adversarial in the like, oh, you didn't think to check for traps. You didn't. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, if you're going to do... Uh, okay. Um, there is a thing... Uh, there's a thing that I've adapted to my games, and th- this is something that's actually... I've been wanting to sort of talk about. You bringing up the... Oh, you didn't check for traps. Okay. I have 
started there's a there's a difference between the idea of like you didn't check for traps and also what i've run into okay let me organize my thoughts i'm sorry okay what i've run into is gms that want to just throw traps at you out of the blue instead of setting up the clues that you might need to check for traps and that is something that irritates the crap out of me and i've started doing in my own games where it's like okay you walk into a room there are holes in the wall and a ton of expended arrows everywhere and there appears to be a tile on the floor that has been depressed everybody walks into that room and goes oh this was a trapped room which could mean that we might run into more trapped rooms later you know what i mean right and the annoying thing for me was always playing with people that would be like they would just throw that trap at you out of the blue <laughs> like oh you walk into the room and how far into the room do you step i'm like well halfway and they're like okay you trigger a trap take x amount of damage it's like well i didn't know this was all gonna be booby trapped <laughs> well yeah and, and like yeah i don't know but like you said, I think there needs to be some sort of some sort of foreshadowing or some sort yes. of hint. I think you have to take the time to actually be like, hey, by the way, there might be traps here. Or somebody says like an NPC when you when the players are telling the NPCs, oh, hey, we're going to Mount Doom. The NPC goes, oh, yeah, I heard Mount Doom's trapped or like cursed. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I don't mean that to say tell them it's coming either. No, because that destroys some of the fun. And I think there are times when it's appropriate to spring a trap, probably yeah. not one that's super lethal. Right. Um, and certainly not trap after trap after trap after trap. Oh, that is the worst. <laughs> you walk through four puzzle rooms and it's like, I hate this. All right. First off, <clears throat> for me, I'm not a puzzle guy. <laughs> I'm not good at puzzles. I, I've never been good at puzzles. I'm not a puzzle guy. And so it's like, okay, puzzle rooms. Yay. <laughs> and I just look at the rest of my party and go, what does it mean? <laughs> well, I think we covered this before, but to a certain point, the problem with puzzles is puzzles, as much as some players like them, puzzles are a problem for the player, not the character. Right. And... Again, it's all about enjoyment. So if you've got a group of people who love puzzles, good. Oh, yeah. Let them them. have them. (laughs) But if, you know, two of the five people at your table like puzzles and the other three hate them, well, use them sparingly at best. If you even use them. Yeah. And I think that's that gets more to the the bad adversarial, right, Is, is using the things just because. Yeah, just to throw a wrench and everything. But I think that goes to, you know, the old old style dungeon design where it was more of a, you want to call it tactical simulation that was intended to be a challenge to the player. And you were moving your in the way of a video game, right, where yes. you're guiding your character through as opposed to thinking of it in the more modern role play sense where you are being your character through. Right. Right. Yeah. Modern role play changes things immensely uh, <laughs> and it's it's really wild we sort of had a conversation about that on our discord today about how role play has changed and osr stuff and 
yeah, we may revisit that for a show topic here at some point too, just because there's a lot of, of points to be made. And well, there's a lot of nuance in that conversation. That's hard yeah. to get across in, in text as well. That's why I just straight up didn't, I wasn't like, I'm not commenting on this because <laughs> I like OSR games and I don't want to put my foot in my mouth. Yeah. I've got a lot of thoughts there, but I'll, I'll try and save them. Yeah. No, save your thoughts. <laughs> But like the, the adversarial thing, I think just it's different, though, making the world a pain to live in, you know, where you're constantly scrambling to make sure you have money to pay the rent or, you know, to buy the, the equipment you need. Actual mundane stuff is annoying in a lot of ways. Yes. Because, well, and and again, we've talked about, you know, I come to RPGs to escape that stuff. and so. I don't want to sit down and play a game where I have to like figure out how to how am I going to pay my rent for tonight? Like I don't want to sit down and do that in a game most right. of the time. Like I'm I'm more so shooting for how am I going to save the world today? <laughs> Fair. But I think like and and when I say that though I mean it more in like that your character knows, well, this job's going to suck, but I have to do it cuz not that I right. need the forty-seven dollars and fifty-three cents, but because I need the pay to make it to next Tuesday to take another job that I really don't want to have to, but it beats not having anywhere to sleep. Right, right, yeah, that's a little, that's a little different. I think that's fun stuff. I, I've, I've really come around on, I don't know, I've really come around on big grandiose games anymore. <laughs> We talked with them about Exalted, and that was interesting. I think that's a really cool game. I love how massive it is, even though that's completely daunting. Yes. Like, I love how everything is earth-shattering. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's really fun. I, I We don't play with that a lot. You know, it, some games just really don't play with that. Like, Cyberpunk could, but a lot of the time, Cyberpunk games are very local. Well, I think they... I think the the punk side of it kind of not that grand effects couldn't happen, but part of the what do you want to say the ethos of it is that yeah, you're relatively insignificant to all these things, you know, these corporations and whatever, and you gotta fight like hell just to stay, you know, alive. And if you manage to strike a blow, boy, that's you know that, hey, you're going down in the history books on that one. Well, yeah. maybe not the history books, but a history book. Yeah. <laughs> the the Wastoids and Burnouts are going to write something about it, at least. Yeah, you may become just a street legend, but it's you're a, a street you're legend. You're still a legend. Yes, exactly. Well, it's kind of like the intro to Hackers, right? You ever see the movie Hackers? If I have, it's been a long time. Okay. Hackers starts off with this kid doing a righteous hack which is how they describe it. They tell you what he does. I it's all mumbo jumbo. It's it's er, it's all um scratch that and reverse it. It's all uh just in universe talk. And he becomes this street legend and like the climax of the movie revolves around him having to tell his new friends that he is zero cool. Like, oh no, I was the guy that did this thing and they're all like, "No, you weren't." <laughs> Like, no, you weren't. You weren't that guy. If you haven't watched Hackers, I recommend it. It's, um, if you haven't watched it in a while, 
give it a rewatch because it'll get you wanting to play something cyberpunk. I've been meaning that it's it's like one of those. Well, I never seem to have time to watch all the things I want to watch or read all the things I want to read. And I know that exact feeling. I think that movie's on Tubi right now, so it's completely free to watch. Other than you have to have commercials, but Tubi or Freebie or one of those, you know what I mean? One of those Mm -hmm. free apps. Um, Yeah, that's a great movie. But anyways, yeah, the local legend stuff's really cool. And I think, like, to a certain point, I think that's, to me, the, the driving force for a cyberpunk character is that they want to be remembered. Yeah. You know, like the, the, yeah. the, I mean, the line from 2020, never fade away. Yeah. You know, or better um, to burn out than fade away or however, you know, I think it's both, but I think it's both. I think it's, I think it's better to burn up than fade away, which is a, uh, what song is that lyric? What is lyric that one is? of the in-universe songs? Uh, I thought it was an out-of-universe song. Or am I thinking, what's the Neil Young lyric? Maybe that's a Neil Young lyric. Yeah, I think that's a Neil Young lyric. Yeah, it's um, Into the Black. That's a Neil Young lyric. Okay, but still, I'm surprised we, Neil Young is a cyberpunk reference, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it fits. It, it fits so well. But I think, so, like I said, this all just came from, from like I said, them saying, you know, that the game wants to be GM'd adversarially. And I think, yes, but only in the service of portraying the world. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it's it's not wanting to be run adversarially just to screw your players over. No, it it is it is like you said in service of of doing that world justice. And I think this is where I think as a player in a game like that, part of it, and maybe this for me, maybe this hits on on some of it is I like the challenge of trying to think ahead of the next step of the way the world is going to screw with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like trying to kind of be ready for it, so to speak. Right. Because unlike the real world where you try to do that and it really hurts when it doesn't work, there you're just like, oh, ha okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, I got to make a new okay. character. <laughs> session's, session's over. I can deal with it next week. You know, yeah. unlike in yeah, real life where like, oh, yeah. Shit. That's part of the fun of of tabletop RPGs in general, though, is that like just the pure escapism of it all. Yeah, and I guess maybe is it maybe a, a case of we're effectively <laughs> we're seeking out problems and make believe because then we get to experience the relief of not having to worry about it till the next session. Um, maybe sometimes, but. I think we're seeking out problems and make believe to answer questions that remain unanswered in real life. Oh, that too, I'm sure. I, I think some of the to to get kind of deep, I think some of the enjoyment we receive out of uh uh make believe out of playing these games is the and I've talked I've said before about pure escapism, but the the absolute freedom that is the reality that nothing actually matters in this game. Right. Like next session, I got to deal with repercussions, but if we stop playing this game tomorrow, it's not going to be like the end of my existence as a being. It's a game. Well, and I guess maybe too, it gives you a chance to have that response that you don't dare to in your real life because of potential repercussions. Right. Yeah. You're never going to walk up to somebody and, 
punch him in the face just to punch him in the face. But in a game like Cyberpunk, somebody talks sideways about you or your crew, and you will absolutely just pull a gun. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's some of that is like, you know. Yeah, it's it's freeing. It's <laughs> it's it blows off some of that frustration. Right, right. It's that escapism. Yeah, I, I, I really, I love these games, and and I really <laughs> like adversarial or not. I still love Cyberpunk Red and 2020 and uh, Cyborg, and you know, all of these wild Cyberpunk games that are built around the world trying to screw you over. I mean, real life's always trying to screw you over. So, <laughs> yeah. But any more? Th- thoughts on this subject i know we haven't been going on it for very long but i maybe have a secondary smaller subject to talk about i think we've kind of gone around this one a good bit what do you got okay so since we're talking cyberpunk games let's go ahead and put something in this conversation here sort of harkens back to our old days of just bsing around the car after a game session i saw you commented on something on facebook somebody asking for recommendations for cyberpunk music or music mm-hmm. to put on their cyberpunk soundtrack and i sort of wanted to talk about that because me and you have very different uh, not maybe not very different but we have different opinions on what makes a good cyberpunk soundtrack somewhat i think i've i've maybe blended towards where I think your opinions are more than some or more than I was, but um, go ahead. So you lean more into the punk side of things or you used to. Yeah, I still do. I enjoy, you know, a lot of that, you know, dead Kennedy's uh, social distortion, Ramones, bad religion. I don't disagree with you. Um, I'm a little bit, when it comes to my choice in punk, I go a little bit less, I go, I go more American in a lot of ways, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm also not a huge fan of the dead Ken- dead Kennedys. I lean more towards stuff like uh, Cannibal Corpse. Um, but, and then we've talked about as far as like, yeah, you lean more towards the, or you were leaning more towards the punk side. I lean into the cyber I go either industrial or heavy, heavy uh, EDM. So the, bands, the dark synthwave stuff. Yeah, that dark synthwave. I, the stuff. dark synthwave stuff is very good. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, people like. Well, but see, dark synthwave. You'll find at least what I little I've dabbled around in, in finding out about the artist is most of them are metalheads in their spare time. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm just pulling up my cyberpunk playlist. So right off the top, I have KMFDM, Perturbator, and Anthrax, <laughs> which tells you pretty much where this is going to head. And then mm-hmm. some Power Man 5000, uh, Daft Punk and Glitch Mob, Nine Inch Nails, uh, Gunship, which is a really interesting... Gunship is a really interesting band. Um, Major Laser, Rammstein... Uh, yeah. See now, I ministry I, ministry is a band that I think fits in every cyberpunk soundtrack. Can I think I I like Anthrax quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I put them in the cyberpunk soundtrack for me. See, I I 
in my head, every time Anthrax comes up, I imagine it's like the scene where um what's well, like the scene in Ace Ventura when um he's in the he's in the uh club and Cannibal Corpse is playing. That's what always comes to my mind when Anthrax is is in my cyberpunk playlist. I'm like, I'm gonna have a like band club scene where the rocker boys are gonna be hanging out and anthra- they're gonna be doing some kind of anthrax covers. Okay, in that regard, yeah, I can see that. See for me, I perturbator, um, maybe some fluke, dope. Dope is um, great. Along the lines of perturbator, and I believe they're actually friends, uh you know, the artist that is, um Carpenter Brute. Yes, and, Carpenter and Brute. Terminus. Terminus, yep. Um Another one from that vein that I, I really like in the soundtrack for is uh, Laserhawk. Laserhawk. Oh, I haven't. Yes, so much Laserhawk. Um, and, and now all of them are kind of, in some ways, very kind of retro feely, which I think works well, you know, because of the retro futurism that's so prevalent in the cyberpunk genre. So there's a band that my boss turned me on to that I really enjoy uh, called Gulf Boulevard. Golf Boulevard sounds like if you took Depeche Mode and Nine Inch Nails and mashed them together, they make really good industrial music with like emo lyrics that Depeche Mode would write. Hmm. And it's it's really interesting music. They immediately got added to my cyberpunk list because I was like, that is something that is like it fits. It fits so well. Yeah. Um, Occasionally, I'll go a little more straight electronic, like Fluke or Prodigy. Prodigy is a great Prodigy is a great ad. Um, Anything off of the Hackers soundtrack, which we were just talking about Hackers, but yeah, that soundtrack is fantastic. Um, oh, uh, Bjork or uh, not? Not Bjork. Um, no, man, my brain just died. <laughs> Did it, do I mean Bjork? No. <sighs> Weird Icelandic pop. Give me two seconds. No, that's not what I mean. Oh, what am I thinking of? Keep talking. Uh, uh, okay. You, you one, talk. I'm going to I'll throw in um, some stuff from Rob Zombie slash White Zombie. Yeah. Yeah. Rob Zombie gets added in there quite a bit. You know, I I am also just in my general listening to I love, you know, those 90s thrash, you know, so, but I... I love that, like you said, for like a club scene. Sure. Oh, what's the another one? Uh, one of our listeners turned me on to is a band called Cell Dweller. I've listened to Cell Dweller. Yeah, they're dope. Um, they're good. They're a little more, a little more rock, but they still have a lot of heavy synth. You know, like yeah, some Rammstein. Um, yeah, it 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 varies, and I think the tr- thing for me that's hard is I'll hear a track and go, oh, I I would love to have this for this type of scene. Right. But I don't have the attention span slash technological savvy to manage a playlist that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, without like some massive thing of notes, I would then have to take a break and look through, which kind of eliminates the point. Right. I, um, I just have my, I have my cyberpunk playlist and yeah. Uh, yeah. I started working on building a new one actually. I need to add some more titles to my cyberpunk playlist, but oh, Atari Teenage Riot. That's a that's a band that I forgot about. Atari Teenage Riot goes on that list pretty easily. 
now someone just because we're talking about some sort of EDM synth stuff and mm-hmm. I don't know that any of her work fits cyberpunk per se, but Lindsay Sterling is very interesting to listen to. Yeah, I enjoyed me some Lindsay Sterling, maybe not as much as everybody else does. I I I, I liked Lindsay Sterling and then I sort of I don't know, I felt like I heard too much. <laughs> <laughs> and if that makes again, any sense. For the right points in a game, um someone that that their music could be really cool is um for any of our listeners who happen to be gearheads and have watched the YouTube channel oh, like yeah. car mods Moog. um Moog is actually a recording artist and does all of the music in their videos and uh some of his stuff is is really neat yeah i think um uh what's liam's band from mud oh mud? um tainted 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 has some music that would fit cyberpunk in certain yeah. scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there. It's you know, for me, I dial into like I said, I I go a little bit of punk and a lot of industrial dark synth wave, or even I've done games where I've used vaporwave. I think um, I think a game like. And I, I know I'll get some flack for saying this, but I think Shadow of the Beanstalk would work really well with some Vaporwave. Um, vaporwave is a little bit lighter uh, as, a, as a general genre of music. Mm-hmm. Um, See, but it could set a really good tone. That a lot of people do with the card game to, to appreciate the world for maybe what yeah, it is. I, I, I don't have the background with the card game. I just, like I said, I, I've, I've expressed my... I, I like the world. Say it. I think it's interesting. It's there are undertones in the books and undertones in the world where cyberpunk just highlights those undertones. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not saying that you couldn't do really dark stories with shadow of the beanstalk. I am saying, however, as it's written, it is very much, um, implied but not uh explicit in a lot of ways it's, it's not as front and center as is the artel Sorian titles correct yeah and i'm not saying that to rag on it that's just it's a different way of doing it's a different way of doing things but i think too you know you and i both you know despite our age difference both kind of latch onto that heavy retro futurism element from oh yeah the cyberpunk 2020 and, and in red that isn't necessarily there in some other titles. And that doesn't mean that they're wrong. It's just, that's not. Oh, I mean, us. and then also look at the type of music we've been, we've been recommending the the type of music we've been recommending, especially like me. I know in mine, it's a lot of nineties industrial, and like dark synth wave, which has eighties and nineties overtones, right? Like, mm-hmm. It's all I recommend stuff that fits the retro futurism stuff. Now, if you wanted to go in a different direction with it, you could go to like Hyperpop, uh, some of the stuff that Grimes makes or 100 Gex. Really interesting music that would fit into Cyberpunk Red if you wanted to go and tell a different tonal story with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much Hyperpop you've ever listened to. No, not much. Okay. <laughs> it's it's I'm not the hugest fan of it, but I don't fault anybody that likes it. And I can get why people like it, if that makes any sense. I um, <laughs> it 
I'll have to I'll send you some at some point in the near future because it's weird music. I mean, uh, no two ways about it. Even people like hyper pop say it's weird music. But yeah, you could go a little bit more. uh, I I hope you can't hear that. Can you hear the peepers in the background? Just a little bit. Okay, good. (laughs) They we hatched two uh, two new chickens, and so they are currently in their brooder (laughs) while I get Uh the poop outside ready for them. But um, yeah, it, I think for us, we lean into the, the retro futurism stuff. I think you could, in theory, lean into like if you wanted to try and guess at what modern age would look like for red, you could probably lean into that pretty easily. Yeah, um, I think you like I said, you look at some of the hyper pop stuff, some of the uh, modern EDM, you know, modern like what the electronica scene looks like now you know a lot of that stuff what the punk scene looks like now you could lean into that uh because punk scene's interesting got some really good new punk bands uh there's an australian punk band called the chats that i have been absolutely obsessed with they are (laughs) how do i describe them they make uh i think anthony fantano described it that they make punk music that but they make it so they make bare bones punk, but they make it in such a way that's so brutally honest. Like they're not ironic about anything that they're making their music about. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of refreshing because there is no irony there. They just make old school punk like like nobody's ever done it before. Right. OK. <laughs> it, they're a fun, fun band. Um, but yeah, that's uh, they're interesting. Um, Static X is another one that's oh yeah, Static X. Yes, 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 yes. They were on the soundtrack to the video game. I recommend Run the Jewels. Just they're a they're a hip hop band, but Run the Jewels stuff like Nobody Speak with DJ Shadow. Uh, That's ELP and Killer Mike together. That's their band. They got some really good music. Um, Dell, Dell. Del the Funky Homo Sapien uh, or Deltron, depending on what you want to listen to. Del, absolutely. Go to the Deltron 3030 stuff. That is all cyberpunk all the time. Um, Daft Punk, obviously, makes some decent EDM uh, with with retro vibes. Some of their retro vibes are a little bit older. I would go for maybe the Tron Legacy soundtrack for Daft Punk. I think that one I found, and I found that had some pretty good stuff on it. When I was yeah, that's got like the Rezzed and um, oh, a couple other songs from that soundtrack. That's a really good soundtrack. Um, I had it on vinyl. I think I might have lost it, but that was a good soundtrack. Uh, like I said, Deltron 3030. If you haven't listened, I, Deltron has been everywhere and simultaneously in the background of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what is that one band? Thunder Thundercat. Thundercat makes some um Thundercat makes some pretty straightforward funk music that fits really well into cyberpunk in ways. Okay. I it it fits really well into cyberpunk in weird ways. I don't know mm-hmm. how to describe I like I don't know how to get across why it works, but it does. <laughs> uh yeah. Just you know what the thing with music in tabletop RPGs 
and you've sort of talked about it. It's a pain to um, it's a pain to kind of coordinate music and tabletop RPGs. And I've been told that there are better ways of doing it. I just haven't gotten a chance to play with any of those yet. Mm-hmm. I would really like uh, some of those tools that exist to manage music and tabletop RPGs. I would really like to put to a real strong test by grabbing a game that is based around music. I, I don't have any that come to mind immediately, but something that would be, you know, music based, I think could be really interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Any yeah. final thoughts before we move into the next? Also Billy, Al- Billy Idol's album titled cyberpunk, which isn't bad. No, I'm just scrolling through. I, I finally got it to come up. I've got stuff like the propeller heads, you know, offspring, black flag. Glitch Mob, mm-hmm. um, KMFDM. Yeah, KMFDM every day. Stuff that I apparently found while listening to random channels and went, oh, this sounds cool, I'll add it, and I've never heard of them since. <laughs> um, song by someone, band called The Sonic Foundry, S-O-N-I-K. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, yeah, lots of neat stuff. Yeah, so my boss currently makes um, one of his other endeavors is he makes um, pretty heavy industrial metal, if you want to call it metal. It's it's pretty cool stuff. He he uh, he makes some interesting music, but I don't know that it it fits more into cyborg than cyberpunk, if that makes any sense, because it is so heavy. It's a little bit more. because it is so heavy, it's a little bit more dense and would fit into mm-hmm. Cyborg, a world that feels a little grosser, feels a little denser than um, that type of stuff. So mm-hmm. I think with all that being said, uh, <laughs> we go ahead and move into Game of the Week. All right. Game of the Week. Woohoo! Game of the Week. Game of the Week. All right. You go first or am I? Uh, you can go first. Okay, so my game of the week this week is when I, I actually just kind of stumbled across this, and I wish I knew more about it, but the setting sounds really kind of fun. It's a game called Agents of Concordia, and it's actually published by Modifius. It bills itself as a complete action mystery fantasy RPG. Um, it says you take the role of an agent traveling between worlds, set in a 60s you never knew existed. Now, the cover art, kind of has slightly art deco vibes to it okay can you link me yeah 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 hang on um but it's oh yes rules, yes 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 the rules of the game are easy to learn and support a lot of stunts high octane action and dynamic character progression this is multiple worlds kind of a science fantasy setting as this plays a nine foot ogre investigator or a three foot marmosetti locksmith you know, you use mysticism and rituals as well as guns and lab equipment. You travel by gate or by aether-fueled rocket car. Um, this is cool. Yeah, like, I, I like the sound of this. You know, and it sounds like they have a advancement system that's based on what your character does, not, which, you know, makes some sense to me. Um, yeah. I'm kind of surprised. I mean, the PDF's 20 bucks. It's about almost 200 pages. But it, it sounds like a really interesting premise at the very least. Yeah, I would definitely look into the, playing this, throwing it down on a table or something. I think you could really 
I try to do this type of story with my D&D games. So I love seeing a dedicated dedicated table RPG for this type of, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, scientific Science magic. fantasy noir, I think. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, yeah, that's cool, man. But yeah, so this is story-driven rules. And it's Modiphius, so I would imagine the production values are pretty high. I'm sure the book is gorgeous. <laughs> like the, the cover just feels, well, here we go, full-size preview. Yeah, no, the inside of the book is really nice. <laughs> yeah. Any final thoughts on that? Anything else you want to say about it? No, I, I think, uh, yeah, it's definitely got kind of an art deco Yes, it does. vibe. But okay, look, did you click the... Uh, Preview? The, yeah. Look at the image on the table of contents page. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so cool. I love... I love the mix of art and magic and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. All right. Yeah. So I have, I have one. And since we were talking about games and music, Jeff Stormer, who is a pretty well-known name in the tabletop RPG community, mm-hmm. I would say, um, made a game. Oh, when was this published? Made a game for a uh, game jam back mm-hmm. in September of 2020 called baby we were born to run so i don't know what your opinion of uh bruce springsteen is but i enjoy some springsteen on occasion yeah that that's a fair assessment and so this is a two-player tabletop rpg that requires a standard 52 card playing deck or playing card deck um one person is a driver longing to escape the town the other person is a passenger who wants to stay and make their stand and now they're having their final argument before an ultimatum is made and their fates are decided forevermore. Uh, it's about eight bucks. It's a really interesting game that is to be played alongside the album um, from, it says to play it between Thunder Road and Born to Run. So, okay. You want to yeah, leave me I, that just so I can find it again later? Yeah, yeah, Easier. yeah. There you go. I know a lot of his stuff is some stuff it's on drive through, some of it's only on itch. Yeah, I found this I, I found it on itch first and then I went to drive through and it's on drive through, so Okay. Lucked out there. But yeah, it's a really you don't know. I, I'm sure it's quality, because like I said, Jeff Stormer makes good games. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Not that I think not that I'm absolutely in love with Bruce Springsteen, but I think that's probably Bruce Springsteen's best album. Well, I mean, the the concept of the song is is kind of identifiable, if nothing else. Yeah. You know, the, the you know, regardless of what you think of the music itself. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's a and I think that's an interesting story to tell through tabletop RPGs and to make it a two player game is really cool. I think you could have a really deep conversation about, you know, life. Yeah. Uh, playing a game like this. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a really neat idea. And when I stumbled across it, I was like, I really kind of like this. So mm-hmm. for eight bucks, yeah. I'm probably picking it up to at least play it with my. What the heck was the name of that Supers game he he did? It's, again, played with a deck of cards, two player, solo. Anyone can wear the mask. Yes, yes. Yeah, anyone can wear the mask is what introduced me to Jeff Stormer. Uh, actually, James D'Amato and the One Shot Network introduced me to Jeff Stormer. Mm-hmm. And then I've sort of been keeping my eye. Um, but like Big Fight Feel was great. Um, I don't know what I've not seen 
Mission Accomplished or Empty Orchestra, which are both games on drive through. Um, okay. Mission Accomplished kind of sounds cool, though, too. I'm going to keep that one. I'm just going to save that one for myself. <laughs> I'll, we'll enough. talk about that on another day. All righty. Yeah, with all that being said, we want to thank everyone for listening. Remind you, um, Patreon, Discord, Facebook, Twitter, you know, as always, links to everything are in the show notes. Thank you to all of those who already support us on Patreon. Yes, thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Hopefully new Patreon con- content coming soon. Mm-hmm. If not soon, eventually. I'm sorry, I know we've been sort of slacking off with it, but we getting you some new stuff eventually here. As it draws to a close... And I'm sure he'll put some sort of public thank you. Anybody that bought Owen Casey Stevens stuff, that is the bundle is coming to an end. I don't know when. So by the time you hear this, it might be over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and with all that being said, I want to remind you to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at andrpgs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. All right. Roll credits. <laughs> Hang on. Let me get to the right window. <laughs> Yes, it's all the way at the bottom where you can scroll to it easily, Steve. Stop being Uh a moron.